Burrito. There's a place in Silver Lake called Intelligentsia, and it just pisses me off on principle. Is it a coffee place? Yeah, it's like a coffee place. It's like $9 for a latte. I mean, is it a good latte, though? No. Because that's the thing about coffee. Like, you you, you got to pay the price. Yeah, to... what you pay for. Yeah. You get $9 worth of coffee in a cup. You know, is that really be... true? Do you think that's an actual thing? Like What? Because there's got to be places where you get really great coffee for cheap, too. Sure. But you're saying most of the time. I just, like, it's it's one of those things where, like, I've learned more about coffee, and it's, like, just the amount of money and time it takes to, like, grow, like, legit beans and right. roast them, and it has to be in a local roastery or whatever, so that they're not, like, stale and shit. I went to a place in Silver Lake, and uh, they, on the walls, they just showed you, like, we go to Mexico and Colombia for these beans, motherfuckers, like, and it's just, like, the people who just served you your goddamn Oh, they, they personally yeah, like, get on a jet, on the wall. like, on a small, like, drug smuggling airplane, and well, just I I assume it's, it's a PR thing. Yeah, it's like a PR. Like they did it once, and they tell people like every Friday. Every Friday, <laughs> we just we go out, we sacrifice for yeah. you, the consumer. <laughs> I mean, it's sort of a lost art because people don't really put an emphasis on the customer service. These people literally, they go, they, they have to, their passports get stamped. You know, this yeah. is Trump's America. Like ICE is looking out for them. So this, this is a real big hassle every time. They're interrogated. They right. shake them down. All they all get for is your beans. Fucking hipster ass coffee, Silver Lake. Like, right. Which is crazy. Which is think. probably why they're so shitty about it when you're like, hey, can I get like five pounds of sugar in there and some caramel swirl or whatever? Like, you're not going to drink it black. Like, you know how they do I've that. I've never done that. You've never done that? I've never. So you've never experienced the wrath of the barista? No, do they get shitty with you? Is this like a real. Well, I never do it, but this is a known thing in the coffee community. If you oh, go okay. to a legit coffee place and you right. don't get it black, it's like, it's like getting a fucking, you know, $100 cut of steak done well. It's like getting a Johnny Walker Blue and then mixing it with Diet Coke. Exactly. <laughs> like Mountain Dew. Like, it's, well, it's a fucking slap in the can, face to the people who got on that rickety fucking airplane and right. went all the way to Columbia to collect those beans. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, that's the thing. I'm not, like, I would love to train myself to do black coffee. I just don't think I'm ready for that coolness. Like, I've done it sometimes. I can drink it. It's just not my preferred thing. I, I know this is going to sound like the most snobbish shit ever. You're already shaking your head. You're rolling your eyes. But, like... <laughs> just drink better coffee and it, it it gets easier like when i go to like my mom's house and she has folgers like i drown that shit in flavored creamer like i don't give a fuck right. but like legit coffee tastes good on its own you don't need anything right. in it well you've been drinking my coffee this whole week with uh without creamer I mean, is it okay you're just used to it now it's fine i'm used to it it's just fine it's a french roast you went through the trouble to roast it the french way yeah so how, what am I going to do? Come into your you know, coffee well, house and, and disrespect Did the you? French really do that? Or is that one of those things where we just give game? What, like the, the French fry? Yeah, like which is like <laughs> clearly potatoes are not. Like, like someone made that before now, but I guess for all of human Who history. Who actually made the French fry? Ireland, I assume. Or maybe not. That's they didn't racist. Have potatoes because, well, no, they didn't have potatoes. So when they had it, they had to, exactly. make, they had to make, like... So, so when they got them, they got real creative? Is they that what you're I think it was like a Jesus on the mountain situation. It was about the division of potatoes. Like, like they just got so excited, like, we got a potato! <laughs> no, I think, I think it literally... It's cut it up into slices! Yeah, throw it in a fryer! It's a pragmatism <laughs> thing, man. There's a famine going on. You cut that shit up, make it seem like you have 50 small potatoes, you know? Like, <laughs> Sersha! 
Throw some vinegar on it. Sarais? Sarios? My name is Sarriso. I will not do it, brother. They're actually kind of cute, if you think about them, in the long view of history. I mean, they're cute when they're not in the IRA. Wow, that's the point. But, I mean, there's a reason, though. They I saw got, Hunger. like, a whole... Can you explain history to me? Because I'm, I'm woefully ignorant. So, um, Michael Fassbender starved himself to oh, wow. uh, spite uh, Margaret Thatcher. That's not the story. That was the crux of the <laughs> conflict, as I understand it. And the NRA were on bail side. They're like, let him eat. With the NRA? The NRA were involved oh, the IRA. with the IRA? Sorry, sorry, the IRA. The IRA were launching their terrorist campaign in Ireland, and then the NRA stepped in. They're we're like, not on our turf. And they're like, it's not your turf, mate. And then they're like, oh, yeah, you're right. Well, I mean, literally, what's the what's the uh, origin story of that? Do you know enough about the Irish North Northern Ireland? I actually don't. I'm barely Irish. Like, what am I going to look into my own fucking yeah. bare, barely there history? <laughs> the one thing you could do about your own cultural identity. I mean, I could look into uh, Italy. Why would you? Italy's I'm a quarter weird. Italy. No, I really love Italy, but what I'm saying is, like, Italy's Why a weird... Why would I? Well, historically, think about the history of Italy, like... It's a fascinating history. It's fascinating a lot because of you've been taken over a lot. But pretty much since the Ire- the the Italians were in charge of being Italian, hasn't been great. History hasn't been kind, man. Had Victor Emmanuel the Third. He was a tyrant. I mean, you know, I'm from Sicilia. Yeah, the worst one. Wow. Dolores is from Sardinia, which is the other island off the coast of Italy, and she hates you, motherfuckers. I'm really offended right now. I don't care. Why do I care about you're not even from Sicily? You've never stepped foot on Sicily. I've done I've done nothing but support Puerto Rico in spirit, and you come in here and you trash my my well, listen. You know, a quarter of my identity. Well, the ne- the next time that the the the, 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 the Vesuvius explodes, you'll have my my thoughts and <laughs> prayers. Okay, so I don't want to hear you'll, that. You'll shit. you'll drop a couple likes on some charities, yeah. but not actually. I'll donate. change my profile picture to a picture crossfaded of my face and Vesuvius exploding. Wow, as like. Wow. An awareness tactic. Think about Sicilia has brought you. What? It's brought brought you all the mafia movies that you love so dearly. I don't love mafia movies. You love them. them. You love some of them. (laughs) Some of them. I love... Where would you be without Goodfellas? Where would you be without The Godfather? I've seen Goodfellas like three times. The Godfather Part 2. That one's great. Parts of The Godfather Part (laughs) 3. Which parts? Joey. (laughs) Zaza. Come on. Andy Garcia on a horse shooting people. It's classic. It's a film classic. I you are going like Vatican vaults. Also the Vatican. What was that subplot about? Like I barely remember that movie. I've only seen it twice. It's not great. Yeah. I used to own the, the VHS trilogy and they would, it was like two VHSs in one giant sleeve. Nice. You know? So it was a daunting task. You had to get up in the middle of the movie. Or three, you mean. For all three of the films. So there were two per film. Two per okay, film. So yeah, six yeah, yeah, cassettes. Yeah. Jesus Christ. So it was a six cassette day if you were deciding to watch them all back to right. back. And I did it once. Got I an Italian was, sub from uh, Publix. But I assumed that there was like a natural break point. Like I remember the first time I watched Once Upon a Time in America. And I watched it on DVD. And the DVD ran out of space. Like it was a t- two double disc DVD or whatever. And just being really blown away by it. Because it's not like they waited till the end of a scene like... In the middle of a scene, yeah, the just like, like cuts. Cut. <laughs> like, 
and you pick back up, and it's not even like they pick back up in the scene. Like the rest of that scene is just gone. Right. <laughs> like you. It just was said, probably like just two like depressed guys in a dark room somewhere <laughs> that they were in charge of that, and they were like, "Should should we find like a logical stopping point? No, just no, go no to the fucking no end of the fucking disc." No one's watching this. I'm smoking so. a cigar indoors. It's illegal in the state of California. I don't care. Do you think like all the people like every special feature and every Blu-ray is just the same three dudes? Uh, you know, like was probably. a very dedicated team who's got to do all the special features. Like, do you remember like Silence of the Lambs when she meets the two bug experts and they're just like these loner nerds yeah. that are just in a dark space? I pictured them specifically those two guys, but just doing just doing DVD extras. Do they do like uh, do they fake the director commentary and stuff? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> They've always wanted to play Spielberg or Nolan. Really giving Arnold Schwarzenegger a bad rap. Have you ever heard his commentaries? No, is it bad or is it amazing? It's it's literally him, like, and I can't do a, an Arnold impression, but it's him Please. describing the things that are happening on the screen. Yeah, and this is the part where Milius said, swing the sword. But like after that. it happens, <laughs> yes. Yeah, I've heard, I've heard his Conan thing, which is great, which is that he's like, I didn't know I had to be an actor. And, like, Milius would just uh, be like, all right, swing your sword. He was, All right, now flex. <laughs> he was a governor of our largest and most populated state. Yeah, I mean, look, people... Well, Texas is bigger. People try Alaska to say is he's... Alaska is the biggest, right? Uh, I don't know, my landmass? I yeah. think Texas, and then Alaska. I think Alaska is the biggest. Is it? Yeah. Fuck it, it's far. Who gives a shit? It's yeah, part of Canada. It's part of Russia. Well, you know... <laughs> Sarah Palin could see it from her backyard. That was her whole uh, stance on foreign policy, man. When when uh, what, uh when what's her face was like well, she said she was more qualified because yeah like why are you qualified on foreign policy and she's like I'm from Alaska you know I can see uh, Russia from my backyard. I mean, do you think she meant that figuratively, and we all just took it? I think that she. I'm picturing her on her balcony, just with her her binoculars out, Ooh, and her wee. and her husband is like, Sarah, are you coming to bed, hun? And she's like, No, I gotta watch the Ruskies. <laughs> She's a patriot, man. She's kind of adorable. Like, if she wasn't, like... No, yeah. seriously, if imagine... She, if she wasn't, like, a proto-fascist... Right. Like, imagine if the Democrats had a Palin, bro. Like, in terms of, like, just, like, a saucy, like, fire... Like, a whippersnapper, like a like a pistol. She's a pistol. Like Bi- Biden? <laughs> yeah, like Biden, but as a, as, a, as a female. Like, as a saucy librarian-type female... Right. ...that could tap into every redneck's desire to both hate women, but also, like... Uh, you know, like, what uh, would what, what would the Democrats do with that? Are you saying it would be a good thing for the Democratic Party? Is it. that something we need? Yeah, because we could we could sway some of these fucking people over. I think yeah. it's happening. I think Ocasio Cortez is starting to like. You know, you think she's starting to bring people around? I saw that one picture where she was walking out when all the women wore white at the State of the Union, and all these men were just like, damn, like they checked her out, like that oh, all the Republicans yeah, or whatever. Man. Yeah, and she's actually partnering with Ted Cruz of all people on a uh, on a bill right now. That might be political suicide. It might be. Even if it's a good idea, the fact that Ted Cruz is doing it makes it a bad idea. Right. What's what is it? Do you know? Yeah, it's it's a bill something to do with like it, uh, former members of Congress and the Senate cannot then uh, become lobbyists. Oh, nice. That's good. Like John yeah, Boehner actually, was a tobacco actually a good lobbyist, thing. and then he became the fucking Speaker of the House. Like, yeah. That's that's not good. Like John Boner, more like it. Uh, he's cool. Is he? He's all right. He drank, Is he? He drank whiskey with Obama. He was pretty cool. I mean, he was going around on like the pre- Sunday press shows, just crying a lot, being like, "I don't talk to kids anymore because <laughs> when I see their face, <laughs> and he's crying." And I just remember like one person specifically. It was like the senior Fox News blonde lady, not Megyn Kelly. Like she's the older one, and she was just like, "You're so brave," <laughs> like just like 
like every, literally every woman on Fox News except for like one is blonde. Which one? I don't know. She's older. And she's one on Laura Ingram. No, 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 not her. She got in trouble for being a fuckboy. <laughs> right? She went after the Parkland people. Can't yeah, do that. I don't man. think she got in that much trouble. I think her ratings got boosted. She probably. lost the sponsors, man. Did she? Yeah. yeah. All matters. Oh. I just Fox News is whatever, dude. I got no, I got no feelings on Fox News. I think they're garbage. I, do you think that you're just numb over the years? Yeah, I mean, again, like what scares me is just like, like, uh, like soft indoctrinization. Like you watch it thinking like, oh well, I'm just gonna be, uh, gotta listen to the other side. You gotta, listen, <laughs> little, gotta let people little, talk. <laughs> well, no, you do gotta let people talk, but you gotta know, like you know, Anakin thought even in that third Star Wars movie that he was still doing right, man. You right. Know, like, I mean, when when a when a senator comes to you and says, "What if you could bring people back from the dead?" Right. You know, like that's a reasonable thing to consider. He wants to bring his mom back. Totally not an evil thing to say. Qui Gon. You know, the dark side has their ways. Jar Jar. And then he nudges him in the ribs and winks at him, and he's like, "Huh." <laughs> Yeah, maybe you're right. I guess my issue is that Palpatine never, in those in that trilogy, never seemed like he was hiding the fact that he was a nefarious oh, piece of shit. But like, none of the Jedi can see it coming, which is really strange. They're real to me. blindsided by it. You figure, okay, well at least Padme has got this shit. She's she spends time with them, working with them on a yeah. senatorial level. Also completely fooled. No fucking mm. clue. So you think that's happening with Ocasio Cortez? Like she's the Padme in this situation? I think so. And Ted Cruz is Palpatine. I mean, that's giving him a lot of credit. It is. <laughs> He's not Palpatine. He wants to be Palpatine. Yeah, they're doing about Palpatine. He got shit done. Like, you Ted know. Cruz still rocking that beard, though. Is he? He's, what legit. do you think that's about? You just think someone finally told him that his face looks like a fucking weasel face? And maybe. I mean, I think he was trying to up his cool factor after the Beto O'Rourke thing. Like, he got. He had to have been a little nervous that day. I'm sure. A little bit. Yeah. You know. Right. Because like nobody came that close before. Right. And then Beto comes in, and he's like, oh, I'm a punk rock guy. I feel like he's flamed out a lot. I don't know. Beto? Yeah. Yeah, he got less cool when he decided to run for president. Why do you think that is? Because he said, I was just born to be in it. But we've interpreted this already. I don't think he was like, I want to be in it, man. I was born to be in it. I think that's a direct quote. Yeah, but I don't think that it was about, (laughs) like, he is entitled to the presidency. He's talking about he wants to be out there. He wants to be meeting people. He wants to be on the ground, shaking hands, kissing babies. But here's the thing, arguably. Kicking butts. Go on. Go on. If if you run for president, don't you think you're entitled to be president? No. This isn't a Jon Snow situation where we just pick the guy that doesn't want to do the job because he's the most qualified. That's really what we should do. I've been saying that for a while. So we you think just... we should go back to like the, an oligarchical uh, thing where like a, a room full of Varuses and uh, Tyrians and whatever pick the next... Uh, well, Varus was burnt. But, I know. think we pick 25 people in the world. It could be politics, sports, in the world. pop culture... No, it's got to be United States-based oh, people. In still. the United States world. But yeah, they could be from any of the things. So you can get like. Tom, it's a global economy. Yeah, Globalism get... <laughs> is one. Get over it, Republicans. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, you could literally do it that way. So you have a. So you get like Tom Cruise in there. Tom Cruise, Tom Brady. John Travolta. Tom Waits. Um, Dave, Dave Miscovich. Uh, <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, Beck, that's a bit extreme. But Beck? I guess, yeah, Beck instead of Miscavige. I mean, why would we well, also Beck. there? Why? You need a balance of power. You need to hear both sides. Got a lot of people talk. Well, they're the same. Like, why would why would I? Why would you I don't give know them? that. They do. They're both Scientologists. They're repping that. Tom Cruise is also there. It seems like you just want to get the Scientologists to pick the president of the United States. You know, I they're just, going to pick Zedu. Look, <laughs> I I went in on a whim and I said to myself, you know, what what's worse that could happen? They're going to get some private information on me and try to leverage it against me in some kind of public way. Try to get money out of me. 
And you know what? It's a great religion, man. You should look into it. Scientology, you mean? I mean, it's a great uh, philosophy. No, it's a, it's a religion. They got tax exemption, so I guess they're just a religion now. We just call ourselves... I mean, they call themselves... They call, that, yeah, uh, no, it's so weird, to, dude. You know? <laughs> so weird. That would be like... I'm trying to think of, like, of all my friends, if there was a secret plot that you were brainwashed one day and you were trying to, con- like, convert everyone to Scientology, you would be, you would be the one to do it, man. Like... I think I could come in there and I think I can make it happen. You change hearts and minds. So if anybody wants to pay me for the privilege, no. like I'm very convincing because I'm, you know, mildly trustworthy. <laughs> How old is Scientology? Yeah, it's like from the 50s, basically. It's right? from the 50s. That sucks. And they say in 2050, uh, he's coming back. Civilization's going to end. Oh, yeah. And Elrond El- is going to come back and save us all. Wait, did the Scientologists, like, at the tail end of that press release? So, like, last week in the real world, they were like, Civilization civilization probably going to end 2030, 2050. We're all like, that sucks. Uh, but did, at the end of that press conference, the Scientologists were like, also, Elrond, <laughs> like, he's coming back. <laughs> they tacked on their press release at the end of that press release. They funded that study, and now they're going to come in, like, but we got a plan. Right. What's the play? Is it like a like a, a galactic Noah's Ark? And then just like hundred year old Elrond Hubbard, who's still alive, you know, just like hooked up to machines in right. a metal coffin right. with like breathing, like an iron lung for some reason. I have a plan to save us all. We all get on a fucking you know DC seven or whatever, golden, right. and just fly off into space. That'd be pretty cool. Drop all our criminals into volcanoes. We never do uh, like sci-fi movies. We are they're always noble and shit like that. They're like, oh my god, I save humanity. How about just like a cult that had enough money to like get off planet? They're and they're just, the ones that get to Mars first. Yeah, they're just bringing that poison in there. There's this is really fucking wonderful comic book by Garth Ennis called Just a Pilgrim, right? Which is like a biblical reference. Uh, but th- throughout the whole thing, he's like very religious and very biblical and blah 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 blah. Like he's still killing motherfuckers, mm-hmm. but he's doing it like. Uh, whatever and at the very end like so the second arc they find like there's a spaceship that like these scientists have been putting together for like 13 years to try to get off the planet right um and so literally like well all the fucking bad monsters are kind of surrounding this and the and the pilgrim's got to sacrifice himself he realizes that the god that he's been serving is bullshit man that there's no god to begin with right and he they like him earlier in the arc he was like gonna give them a bible to take into the stars and he's like don't like don't fill the stars with its poison you know what i mean these fucking lies and he throws it at the monsters and he dies and it's awesome but the idea is that Scientology is going to make it and all of humanity is going to be represented by that like if aliens first meet humans but it's just Scientologists that's a representation that's it's a representation it's a good representation I mean maybe they're fine maybe maybe they're fine without us man Scientologists yeah maybe if we weren't here it wouldn't be a problem you think that we're the problem Maybe. Like, that's why they have to resort to we these tactics. We got hang-ups, bro. We got hang-ups. Like, <laughs> that's the problem with normies, you know? Like, we're like, pro-kids. We're pro-having a private life. <laughs> Pro-medication and psychology. <laughs> no, I mean, I don't know. I mean, Scientology in general, man, that's, 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 that's the one that scares me because they act like the mafia. You know, yeah. like, like don't get me wrong. It's like, you know... Ye- the Catholic Church, I'm sure, was doing some pretty grody shit uh, back well, in the day when they were, like, the, the figure. The thing is, like, Scientology operates more like a weird uh, totalitarian power like the Catholic Church did back in the day. Yeah. As opposed to what, like, religions do now, which is still, you know, horrific, but... It's just interesting to me that, like, they perpetrated the largest infiltration of a government institution from any, like, independent power whatsoever, and there were, like, no repercussions for it. Yeah. It's really strange. They kind of nailed it. 
They're kind of the blueprint. Like I'm not saying I want to idolize them, but again, you got to give them credit. Where well, if you if you got as organized as them, but you use your forces for good, like or or maybe Elrond started <laughs> off with good intentions. I don't know. May I doubt it. He was just like, and if you look up here, the the, the Nebulex uh, galaxy is circular. He was just, just flying by the seat of his pants, wasn't he? I mean, he was really great. I mean, I forget <laughs> who said it, but someone was like, he wrote more than any one human wrote in history. Like, this guy's got thousands and thousands and thousands of pages. This fucker never ran out of ideas. Mm -hmm. And so somehow people got into believe. Like, that's what's really amazing. Like, when we talk about, like, Woody Allen or Charlie Chaplin or Groucho Marx or any of these people who have been able to trans, like, plant themselves into the pop culture medium, right? Like, when we see, like, we the, the, the nose with the mustache, we know that's Groucho Marx, mm -hmm. right? Like, even if we don't know that, that's what that thing is called. Uh, and it's and it's very similar to that, dude. Where it's just like they've been able to to, to permeate past like regular pop culture things. Like they, they just exist as like this weird thing to be parodied. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? It's it's very interesting to me, man. I don't know. It's it's a little spooky. That's all I'm saying. I get a little freaked out by them all the time. Scientologists. Yeah. I mean, there are reasons, man. I saw that Alex Gibney doc. We started watching a new Alex Gibney doc today. Dude, I like her, by the way. <laughs> we need to talk about that. Let's break Let's it investigate down. this, yeah. So there's a documentary about Elizabeth Holmes um, called The Inventor. She's cool. Um, no? <laughs> um, real creepy. I, I don't know. Talk about why you like her. I'll tell you why I like her, because she's a woman in this world... And it ain't easy to be a woman in this world. And she's going out there wearing turtlenecks. Uh-huh. Notoriously the most unflattering piece of garment out there. Does she care? No. She's like, I'm going to build shit. I always thought that was like parachute pants I'm going to change the fucking world. Parachute pants are the turtlenecks of your bottoms. Okay. Oh, okay. Like, so if she was wearing a turtleneck and, and parachute, parachute pants, pants. Holy shit. Like, would you be even more proud of her? I would. Would because, you admire her more? Yeah. Because for she getting take, out she there? She take shit from no one, Max. Because like, there's this line where, where the interviewer asks her, like, why, do you, why so many black turtlenecks? And she's like, you know... Um, I just really like, I have a closet full of the same outfit, so I don't want to dedicate any energy to picking out my clothes. I don't even have to think about it. Right. So what if she just had a closet full of black turtlenecks, orange parachute pants? <laughs> well, I told you about this. Like, what's funny about that is, like, the, like she's not the first person to say that. Yeah, uh, I think that was uh, the, attributed to Einstein. Attributed to Einstein in Cronenberg's sure The Fly, but a, a very quick cursory Google search will show you Einstein... Was always rocking different fashions. Yeah. This guy was the fucking, you know. He was like, a fashionista, man. Yeah, dude. Fucking, like, worked in he the fashion district. Trendsetter. Yeah, he killed it. And in New York, and Paris, and Munich. Yeah. All, all the catwalks he did, personally. Right. For his own clothes. No other designer did that. Well, what I love about the implication of that story, by the way, is that if it's not Einstein, that means that Jeff Goldblum is, in effect, influenced only by himself, but attributing it to his hero. And then this woman, this imposter, yeah. right, like, is taking that fucking, like, she saw that when she was six or something, and was like, right. that's good. That's good yeah, shit. Like, that's good. I mean, I think it was more like a Steve Jobs thing, and she does talk about that in the documentary. Stevie? She, she's like obsessed with Steve Jobs, right. idolizes him. Thinks he's, he's kind a of a genius. piece of shit too, man. Yeah, I saw that Michael Fassbender movie. Again, I know things only from Michael Fassbender movies. I didn't see that movie, but I saw the Have T you not? I saw the TNT. Have you not? I saw not? the TNT uh, television film, Pirates of Silicon Valley, which has both oh, yeah, Bill I've Gates and... And Steve Jobs. And they're great. I see him take acid. I yeah. see him being Cupertino. And then there's that one part where, like, Steve Jobs is, like, looking at an apple, and then he eats it, and he goes, 
that's it. Hmm. That's the one. That's it. And Bill Gates goes, you're fucking dumb. And he's like, we're not friends anymore. I'm going to be a competitor now. Well, I mean, the bigger thing is he's a piece of shit. I mean, he's like, oh, I didn't hang out with my daughter, but if I name a computer after her... I I do want to actually legitimately do a plug for Danny Boyle's Steve Jobs. It's legitimately great. I actually rewatched it like a couple days ago, so it's funny that we're talking about it. it. Have you not seen it? I haven't. I said I didn't, but I saw TNT's masterpiece, Pirates of Silicon Valley, with Noah Wiley. Noah Wiley. 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 Coyote. (laughs) Noah Wiley Coyote plays Steve Jobs. And he doesn't play it so much as he becomes them. He channels them. I don't know what you're saying. Steve Jobs was alive at the time. I didn't say that. Well, I know you're thinking it. it. I I wasn't thinking it either. (laughs) Listen, the vodka might be strong, dude, but I'm sitting here being like, I think, I mean, the guy was clearly a genius. That's the cost. Look, 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 (laughs) hold on, hold on. Because I was talking about this with, like, Neil Armstrong, too, and it's just like, Neil Armstrong had to be a piece of shit father and a piece of shit husband, right? But sometimes that's the cost of greatness. Like, no one's ever going to forget Neil Armstrong. No matter what happens in the history of the world, we'll still always remember the first guy who got to the moon. Right. And it's like Steve Jobs, like, the guy had a presence on stage, man. Everybody remembers, like, the announcement of the iPhone, the announcement of, like, that one Mac that was, like, a fucking case that you could carry, and it was an all-in-one monitor. I need to go and watch those press conferences again. Just watch the movie, because that's what it is, dude. Well, Fassbender's probably better than Steve Jobs. Yeah. Well, there's this line in that movie um, where uh, Steve Wozniak, played by the inimitable Seth Rogen. No, Seth Rogen's like, you know, I designed the circuit board. I designed the CPU. What did you do? And he's like, I play the orchestra. And he's like, what does that mean? That sounds good. What does it mean? And he's like, no, no, you're you're the best player in your row. You sit right there. I play the orchestra. And I'm like, fuck, what an asshole. But he's so right. So you like Steve Jobs. You're coming around on him. Like, the larger point, though, much like the Neil Armstrong thing, is just like the idea that like if you want to be remembered by for all of time, and I honestly think Steve Jobs isn't going to be forgotten. Like, yeah, no, I mean, he went against the conventional wisdom right. and failed several times before he succeeded, which makes him interesting to me. Like the whole idea behind like Macintosh or Apple computers or whatever is that they're like end-to-end controls, what he called it, right. which is basically that they're not customizable in any way. You can't open them up. You have to have special tools to do so. It's not like Windows or like any other PC where it was infinitely customizable. Right. He wanted it to be completely closed, completely controlled on his end. Love it. And people actually bought into it. It's great, man. He's a visionary. And now they're selling, have you heard about the new Apple computer? The stand where they're $1,000? They're charging just $1,000 for the stand I'm good. for the monitor. I'm good. Yeah. I, like, I'm not, like, I know you think I'm an Apple guy, but, like, I'm, I'm not, not in that level. Like, my brother's, like, I'm going to camp outside, wait for a new... Because it'll just be commercially available after that. Why right. would you camp? I agree. Also, iWatches are stupid. Apple Watches are dumb. Like, I'm not going to get one, and they don't make sense to I me. do want to bring us back to Elizabeth Holmes, though. I want you to defend what you said earlier. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, that's fine. I'm just, I wanted to talk about Steve Jobs for a second, and the idea of the pursuit of immortality is often mm. littered with the casualties of your personal life and for professional life, your social life, all that shit. Yeah. It's really interesting to me. I mean, because, you know, it's weird that, like, all the money in the world couldn't save Steve Jobs from cancer. You know what I mean? Like... Yeah. It's kind of fucked up. I think it's, about that sometimes. Yeah. You know? It's like no matter how rich you get, you could be richer than King Midas. When he died? 55? Like, it's 26 years, man. We're already halfway there. Like, you know, from, from, from where we are at 29. Does that freak you out ever? 
Not really. I mean, just that if Steve Jobs ain't gonna make it. I like, mean, what what freaks me out, and I brought it up on a previous podcast, is that like we're almost to the age of Homer Simpson. To the TV dads that we grew up with, we're almost at that age. Oh man, that How old fucks is Homer me up more than almost anything. He's like thirty five years old. Is he? Yeah. Homer's eternally thirty five. Mm-hmm. I guess that makes sense, right? Like none of his kids are old. Like yeah. they're all like eight years old tops, right? Like right. third grade or whatever. Jesus. That's, yeah. Oh, you're freaking me out now, man. Like, I don't want to be homeless. Isn't it weird that that like puts it into perspective? But like, just the act of almost being thirty doesn't. Right. Yeah, I need to like, do something about that. We're almost Tony Soprano first seasons of The Sopranos <laughs> age right now, dude. No, we gotta do something about that. You ever see? You saw Chinatown, where like back in the which I loved, by the way, just as a little detail for how sleuthing worked back in the day. Like he was trailing a guy and needed to know when he left, so he just put like a fucking pocket watch mm-hmm. under the car. So when he left, it would break the watch and it would like be there and he would be able to tell. So like, fucking smart. It's genius. Yeah. <laughs> like, it really he, was, is. he was working with what he had. He didn't have GPS and shit back then. <laughs> no, that's what I'm saying. We got to figure out a way to, to do that for our aging. Just like I'm 34, we can't get to 35. We gotta, we gotta. <laughs> We gotta run over our, our pocket watches. And I think stop. the song for this episode has to be "Forever Young," man. I wanna be forever young. It's weird. It's a weird song too, man. Yeah, I don't love it. Yeah. <laughs> it's about the last day of summer, man, and like. I think summer's overrated. But you know, in terms of what it means for kids, like you know, one of our last days of summer thing is the Beer Can Island story, which is like when I think about the idea of the. Uh, oh man, school's about to start. Like the summer's ending. Like you know, blah 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 blah. Yeah. Like epic uh, party moments in your life. We got fucking stranded on an island so, yeah, during a thunderstorm. I'm actually gonna bring. Uh, this is gonna sound like a tangent, but I'm gonna bring it back Let's real quick. It. But um, the creator of the Misadventures of Flapjack, Thurup Van Orman, love him. Um, he was talking about like how one time he went sailing as a, like a 14 year old and he got lost at sea. And, like, he realized that, like, all of his best and most, like, treasured memories were the times when he went on an adventure and it didn't work out. It was a misadventure. That's why he called it The Misadventures of Flapjack, which is an excellent kid show. It's terrifying if you you ever want to watch a weird show. The point being, like, I look back on that day, which was miserable at the time. Right with like nothing but like fucking fond warm fuzzy feelings oh it's weird right? and we had to get some low-grade version of malaria because the skeeters were out and yeah. like the only thing that kept the skeeters away was being in the warm apollo beach water which was like warm because there was a power plant not fucking we should probably like break down what we were doing yeah let's, let's do it let's do it we'll get back to theranos eventually yeah but... <laughs> we will because i love her and i want to defend her but go on but no, um, so uh, it was uh, myself, Christian, our friend Morgan, and our friend Jackson. We were at Jackson's house, uh, a good friend of ours from way back when. Right. Um, and he, uh, his family owned a boat and a dock, and their like house was on a dock or whatever. And like from that dock, uh, you could get to a place called Beer Can Island, mm-hmm. um, which is a place that like people during the day would like row to and get drunk on. That's what it's yeah, called, it's Beer great. Can Island. Um, we decided to go at night um, so that we could get fucking blazed. Which, by the way, let's talk about this. We're 17 years old. I mean, this is the, the right before senior year starts. Yeah. So the idea that Jackson's parents let him, a 16-year-old, right? He was a year younger than us, mm-hmm. right? Or was he our age? No, he was a year he's younger. He's our age? Oh, he's he a still year. is. Okay, yes. <laughs> <laughs> he caught up finally. No, but he's a year younger than us, and so that makes him 16. Uh, they gave him a boat to take to an island, mm-hmm. an unmanned island where there's no civilization. It's just like, and they gave him a fucking boat, let him go. And then the boat got fucking stuck. Like, yeah. it low tied it on us, man. Well, because me and Jackson had previously 
um, it was the first time Jackson had like smoked weed or whatever. Uh, we had gone out there and I'd smoked a couple times and we went out there with his friend Preston and we got really blazed and set up a tent and had a great time on this island just fucking around for hours. And we wanted to like recreate that moment. So I took you and Morgan out there and we were like, we're gonna have the best time guys, it's gonna be great. We like packed up the fucking boat with all this great junk food and Subway sandwiches and stuff, and like public subs. Um, and we go out there and we just see like storm clouds on the horizon. We try to set up the tent just to like get it started and everything and start smoking weed. Or oh, can't yeah. even set up the tent no, because the wind starts blowing. Yeah, so because this is the thing, like not to cut you off, but before that, like before the winds actually picked up, it was surprisingly beautiful. And oh, me yeah. and Morgan decided we were going to walk the circumference of the island. Yeah. And when we got to the other side of the island, the sun was setting. Mm. So me and Morgan just hung out and watched the sunset. And I mean that, and I, that obviously like, you know, like Morgan and me are never or whatever. Yeah. Like it was just like a just nice moment. Platonic, like, oh, nice moment. Shit. Like, and because you and Morgan hadn't really talked or hung out uh, right. up until then, right. and I remember you both saying to me like, "Oh yeah, that was actually nice. I got to like spend time with Christian. I got yeah. to spend time with Morgan." No, Morgan's like fucking wonderful. I yeah. mean, a lot of memories I have of her are, like one-offs or like she met me at Best Buy and played guitar. Remember when Best Buy used to have the guitar section or mm-hmm. whatever and just play? So Morgan's fucking wonderful. But that was like the first time, and I was like, "Wow, this is like." You know, it was like 72 degrees, you know what I mean? It was like perfect, like for August, that's like abnormally fucking cool. And I'm like, perfect day. And then not 20 fucking minutes later, as we're trying to set this fucking tent up, there's like a raccoon harassing us and shit like that. And there's the wind. And then pretty much, I mean, like literally it was like, it had to be like seven or eight or something. And from that moment on until about yeah, three in the morning. Yeah, because I think it was me and Jackson at, while you guys were going on this scenic walk, we were trying to set up this tent. Right. And I just remember us doing some version of that scene from The Wire with Bunk and fucking Jimmy. <laughs> fuck. And we were like, fuck, fuck, fuck. Because the wind was just blowing enough that we couldn't get any of the tent set up. Right. And we were just trying to find shelters so that we could like light up that, spark that first fucking, right. it wasn't even a J. I think we were like smoking out of an aluminum can, which is terrible for right. you. I was going to say, <laughs> not good. We didn't know what we were doing. Um, but we couldn't even do that. And then the boat ends up getting like beached and flooded from the rain. And mosquitoes come out at the same time. Yeah. And we end up having to like go into the water and submerge ourselves in salt water. Except to this. With like our clothes yeah. on or whatever. <laughs> And just, like, all the way up to the neck so that the mosquitoes can't bite us. And I just remember, like, feeling, like, sick after that, just from all the mosquito bites and sitting in salt water for hours. Yeah, and play-by-play on that, too. It's like, the rain got really bad. We're like, fuck it, let's just get on the boat and go back. And then we we realized that low tide had kicked our asses. Yeah, well, because the boat was also full of water, so all that junk food we had saved up... Oh, my God, that's right. ...was all just just floating in water. Oh, I forgot all about that. I mean, what I don't remember, what I don't forget is that it was a lightning storm. It wasn't just rain and wind. It was, like, it was horrific. scary. Yeah. yeah. I was like, we're going to die. But we all <laughs> had some, like, really, like, calm conversations in the water. I remember, like, you yeah. and me talking about the future and, like, being excited for it and stuff. Oh, man. I don't remember that conversation at all. I actually vividly remember it? that. Tell like, me everything that we said as idiot, like, 18-year-olds. No, like, I remember just saying, like, yeah, man, like, uh, I've had, like, a lot of uncertainty and a lot of anxiety about the future, but, like, I'm actually kind of excited for it for the first time. Like, I'm ready to, like, not be a fucking teenager anymore right little did i know that it would be <laughs> even <six> better <laughs> no <laughs> yeah i say all the time my life didn't start until i was 25 when i left florida then like life actually started you yeah know what i mean but i remember it being one of those moments where like in the, in the moment i really meant it and like yeah. yeah because i was just getting all like fucking reflective and nostalgic I mean, which is nice. For a time I, mean, like, I was the, still in. Again, like, the calamity of the situation is what makes it memorable. And, like, yeah. I always think about it fondly. But, again, I just remember being on that boat for hours just being like, fuck. Mm-hmm. Fuck. 
And then Morgan sang some song about a guy who just hated everybody. That's all I remember. He's just like, everybody everywhere, I hate you all. And she sang it for hours. Like, this was her Irish hoedown song or something. And she was regaling us with the songs. This was her Oh Danny Boy? Yeah, seriously. <laughs> My Dear Annie of the fucking, yeah. like, the Beer Can Island excursion. And Good like, lord. Like, if this was, like, this was like the Donner Party, this is like the moment before people got it eaten. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? It's <laughs> great. Uh, but, you know, and, and then eventually the tide was like a little bit, it kind of came back and we were able to force the boat into the water and we got out. We got back at like three something in the morning and we're just soaked. And like, Jackson's parents are incredible. You're right. And they don't care. Yeah. I mean... It was great, man. Wonderful people, man. They are. They're all wonderful, the, the Jackson family. I never went back to Beer Can Island. That's like That sounds like my standby me, like yeah, Richard right. Dreyfuss, like, <laughs> wrapping it up at the end. Like, like you're an old man now, you've been to Vietnam. <laughs> I never had friends like I did when I was on Beer Can Island. <laughs> Morgan went to Vietnam. She was never the same when she came back. Jack's a nice guy that he is. Tried to break up a fight in a bar. He was stabbed in the throat and died instantly. <laughs> like, do you remember how dark Stamp I mean? said? Yeah. It's really holy shit. Like, everyone dies, man. This guy's reminiscing about ghosts. <laughs> like, the whole story's about them finding a fucking dead body. This is not a wholesome right. fucking story, man. Like, oh, God, stand by me. Rip. R.I.P. Stand by me. R.I.P. Stand by me. I'm sorry. No, um, it's good. That's it's a good. callback to R.I.P. Tony B., which is the yeah. best rap I've ever done about Tony Bourdain yeah. um, passing away. He's a good guy. Uh, untimely Rip. death of Tony Bourdain. Yeah. But anyways, yeah. Theranos. Yeah. Well, I mean, this is my point. So I imagine that she's living in a perpetual beer can island, this mm. woman. Okay? Explain. Like, like just a state of delusion and nostalgia, making yeah, the best oh, of a bad situation? Because, like, she's 19, right? Like, that's an yeah. important component here. That is an important thing. Yeah. Yeah, she's a 19-year-old who drops out of Stanford. After a semester. After one semester. And it's like, I'm going to change things. And then she kind of does. I mean, really what I'm saying here, again, is like, you know, in the, in the same way that we admire... If we admire, this is going to sound fucked up, but go with me. Uh, if we admire Neil Armstrong because he was able to do all this horrific shit, but he wouldn't be forgotten by history, right? Like, why can't you say that about any bad guy in history ever? Why don't you say that about Genghis Khan, who raped and pillaged everybody? You can say that about Mussolini, Hitler, Stalin, any of these people. Like, what, say what you will. Obviously, it's horrific. They will not be forgotten by things, right? the idea Steve Jobs like was a terrible person who stabbed a lot of business partners in the back didn't yeah. recognize his daughter he'll never be forgotten by people this woman literally as a 19 year old thought that she could do something like a 19 year old as a woman too and I know that like we're on a big upswing on the feminism thing but you don't have to be a fucking idiot like you, you can totally understand women ain't exactly first class citizens right. in this country and, still and a lot of women in this documentary like talk about like how much that meant to them to see this young woman right. in, in a man's field in tech um, rising up and fucking starting her own company and starting a revolution and starting changing the way things are done. But dude, she got so far into the party. Like the thing is, it wasn't like oh she was a fringe person who got some like Obama made her uh, like global yeah. ambassador. Clinton is interviewing her, giving yeah. her kudos. Her, Kissinger's on her board. Her company like, with an unfinished product with unproven results was able to get a ten billion dollar valuation. Privately. I'm just impressed by that. I'm not saying that she's this good fucking person that we need well, to yeah, she was, her. Yeah, she was running like, some kind of game that was right. working. 
And doing that at 19 years old and being able to keep up alive yeah. for the better part of a decade, for more than a decade, right? She was like 31 when all well, the shit Well, we, we, should, we should be clear, like, what the lie was, like, what she was peddling. Yeah, Because we so, haven't even talked about that. Yeah, because I didn't even finish the doc. I was just like, I'm on her side. I think she's wonderful. Yeah, I told you about her for one minute, and you were like, I like her. I like and her. And you just stuck she's to your guns. Go, she's like, go get her. I mean, my, my thing is this, and, like, I would love to hear what anyone has to say about this, you know, anyone mm. who's listening. But you it's didn't, just like, You didn't love what I had to say about it earlier. What I mean, because, like, what, what does she do? She defrauded venture capitalist fucking good i think they can all kissinger bro yeah fuck kissinger he wasn't he's a sweetheart (laughs) was he like he didn't do a goddamn thing man (laughs) like fuck kissinger up his fucking ass man up his kisser i hate him do you remember the episode of the simpsons where henry kissinger uh drops his glasses in the toilet and homer picks him up and he goes like something says some stupid shit because he thinks he's smart. Anyway, sorry. Uh, <laughs> sorry. I, yeah, I like that you told the whole story but didn't know the punchline. You're like, some stupid shit. Anyway. But, I mean, the, the, the larger point is, like, again, like, a woman doing this shit, a young person, like, someone who's kind of in our generation. I mean, I don't, I don't know how she old she is now, like, 34, 35, I assume. I don't know when all this shit at the band. But my larger point is just, like, I admire that in a weird way. I also admire her because it's not like this is, like, the Madoff thing where, I mean, that was also a lot of rich people. But there were also a lot of poor people who were affected by the Madoff scam, right? Like, people who had put what little money they did have and were trying to invest it to make better lives for themselves and they ended up getting fucking blown up on. Yeah. Like, this just seems like it just fucked over a lot of venture capitalists. But it also fucked up the people it worked for. Because a lot of people believed in, like, a dream that wasn't fucking real. Yeah, but they got she was paid. Playing, she was paying playing make-believe but they got paid for their job right well they invested like hours and hours extra like of overtime and in, into this company that ended up producing nothing right. and that was the point like the people didn't just work there it wasn't like just some company like they believed in what they were doing but again not to be that fucking guy but like when kennedy's like we go to the moon <laughs> when he did that shit mm-hmm. We did not have the technology, and that's what I loved about First Man so much, being like, yo, we got it, like, we're five scientific breakthroughs away from being able to even think about that shit. So let's start. And I I think that sometimes you need to, like, do you remember when Obama was like, Joe, it's my last (laughs) state of the union. Joe. Solve cancer. (laughs) And Joe's like, yeah, really, he's like, why? Why did you give me this? Right. And it's the same. This is mostly a (laughs) ceremonial position, Mr. President. And that's my point. It's like I'm sitting there just being like, well, I mean, like. That's some, leadership, man. Sometimes you have to do the moonshot. J- just give someone an impossible task. Well, like, think about Kennedy. Like, I mean, I don't know if it would have happened if Kennedy would have served out his term, if I'm being real, but I think he died and people were like, that's his legacy. We gotta get to the fucking dying? moon, man. Oh, the moon. Well, yeah, and dying. <laughs> dying on the moon <laughs> was like, you know, they were in the mines. But but still, it's like, yeah, sometimes you have to you have to put out the moonshot. Sometimes you have to pick something that is so impossible in order to try to get But we there. still haven't talked about what the impossible thing was yet, which we should. Which is? Okay, so uh, she was suggesting that instead of, like, you know, in bucking the tradition of, like, the past 50 years of blood testing for, uh, like, a whole host of issues and illnesses and diseases... Um, like instead of drawing blood out of a needle and like filling up a whole liter of bag of blood or whatever and then doing individual tests, she was going to invent a machine that just with a pinprick was going to like prick your finger and with a small piece of blood inside of this small compact machine called the Edison is going to run like 50 different tests, which as the documentary gets into, 
is impossible. Why is it impossible, Max? Well, the documentary gets into it. Maybe. What does it say? Well, well, like, because it's like a, a number of like tiny microscopic moving parts and everything, and like the vials would break and it would have to puncture different things, and like it, you need more blood volume for certain tests in order to run them successfully. And they started like they promised like fifty, and then they whittled it down to twenty, and then it got down to like, well, we can run like three tests successfully. And they were never able to demonstrate that it worked. The machinery never worked to begin with at all. Damn. Fine with it. Hmm. Do your research before you invest in something, guys. Hmm. You're really going to say no to that? Well, no. Like, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> like, Be- because it's like a bunch of old men and like... They her, just wanted well, to smash. Like, they were like, oh, she's I hate these old men. <laughs> Yeah, no, like, um, and, and like one of the professors at Stanford talks about that, the, that one lady, she's yeah. like, yeah, like, yeah, all these, um, older gentlemen were just so smitten with her and she like looks at the camera <laughs> she knows all angry. Is. Yeah. Well, cause she was the young, like she was, she was her at one point. Yeah. But we should talk about the oddness of her too. What about her? I think she's great. You I, called her a walking mannequin. I called her a Kmart mannequin come to life trying to figure out what humanity is. Mm-hmm. That's my exact quote. Yeah, and I choose you're, my words very carefully. You're acting like, like that makes it better. <laughs> like, I I well, I don't see anything wrong. I mean, she's just awkward. Like, but every like, isn't everyone on the spectrum? Like we were talking about this the other day. You think just, that everyone has Asperger's? I, I mean, a little bit. I, I I think what I mean by that is that like we were just talking recently about like our friends hmm. from back home and how like mental how health great is they're like doing. a pervasive thing in our group <laughs> of friends. Where we're like, ooh, wow, everyone's fucked up. Like yeah. it's weird. Like it's a big enough sample size from different like socioeconomic and religious and racial components, right? Like, like yeah. that it's weird that like no, everyone's just fucked up, man. So I look at her and I'm just and like, that's oh. the whole point of one flew over the cuckoo's nest, right? Yeah, I do. This is like, there, we're, we're the loonies locked in here, but the real loonies are out there! Lobotomy. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. He didn't bury the lead, he went straight to lobotomy. <laughs> I mean, it taught Jack Nicholson a lesson. You don't pretend you're crazy, alright? Mm-hmm. Like, this is what happens. You yeah. End up. I love it. I love it so much. That movie's fucked up. Speaking of movies, I made you watch something today. What did you make me watch? Oh, Starship Troopers. Did you already forget? Yeah, kind of. That's a fucking movie, man. I wanted to talk about the significance of 42, and we will do that. But let's talk about Starship Troopers for a minute. Okay. What did you think of it? Because uh, you didn't seem to like it. I, what? I feel like I was reacting the whole time. You were reacting the whole time, but you kept saying, like, oh, man, how can this movie be two hours long? What the fuck? And you kept yeah. checking how long it had to go. It didn't need to be that long, that's for sure. Like, <laughs> I'm at the point now where, like, it really is the, the Hemingway thing. Like, why are you using 50 words when five will do? Like, let's move on sort of deal. I mean, it's interesting. I mean, Neil Patrick Harris is a skinny and baby-faced little space Nazi. I think I just wanted more of the idea. Like, it's not as big of, uh, like, 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 like the irony or satire isn't so there that like idiots are going to understand it. That's why it's perfect. Uh, it rides that line. Idiots because are going to be well, like, well, dude, well, no, we because... need to kill all Muslims. Like, that's what I. That's all I heard the whole time watching that movie. Well, because well, like I, I saw that when I was like seven in theaters when it came out, and I remember like my memories of it were just like that's the movie with like the the spider bugs. Yeah. And that's all I remembered about it, and that it was really violent, and like it scared me. 
And then I came back to it as an adult and I saw it as like a satire on fascism and how that can be like a seductive thing and like a, I don't know, I thought it was interesting. And I like that the whole thing is shot because if you've watched Paul Verhoeven movies, mm -hmm. they're all usually like pretty well fucking shot. And this one is shot like almost like a fucking ABC sitcom, but it's done on purpose. Like the entire movie is shot like a propaganda video. That's great. And I love it because it's literally like the arc of the movie, the arc of Johnny Rico played by the also inimitable Casper Van Dien um, is that uh, he goes from being like a fucking like you know teenager with no hopes or dreams to like driven uh, like to radicalization and fascism over the course of the movie and it's done in an actually subtle way in a not subtle movie is it I feel like it just kind of like as soon as parents die he's like fuck bugs yeah but like he starts to like lose all of his personal connections along the way right. and then he gets to the point where he doesn't feel anything anymore right Denise Richards lives, right? She does. Do they hook up at the end, or do they never show it? They never show it. They do say in the beginning of the movie, Neil Patrick Harris, Denise Richards, and Casper Bendine were like, let's promise to be friends forever. And then Neil Patrick Harris is like, I don't know, we're going to be millions of light years away, and the odds are we'll never sure. see each other again. But then at the end, they see each other again, and they're like, oh, good friends. And we're going to have good things happen when we're together. Mm -hmm. I just wanted a rug-pulling moment where you're like, yeah, and then you find out that, like, they've committed space holocaust on bugs and, like... I mean, you kind of get that, though. I want more. Like, just the part where, like, Neil Patrick Harris, who's telepathic and he's a space Nazi, he touches the brain bug and he goes, it's scared, and you think it's an emotional moment, and then he turns around and yeah. goes, it's scared, and everybody goes, yeah! That's sad. Yeah. That's sad. We're the Nazis. And then they start, like, prodding and poking the brain bug. But no one, but no one, I feel like no one picked up on it. No one cared. We picked up on it. Yeah, but, like... Isn't that the beauty of a good satire? Do you want it to be more obvious? Yeah, I do. I kind of do. I, again, like, I just, it's irresponsible when you can be taken for, like, like you know, for propaganda. I mean, these way. were the Clinton 90s also. <laughs> So, like, you know, nuance was allowed. Yeah, it was a repudiation on surpluses. <laughs> we're, like, we're, no. we're living in an unnuanced, unsettled time, man. Yeah, no, it's cool. I mean, space Nazis are always fun, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Name one time they've never not been fun. I mean, there's only been, like, what, three examples of space Nazis, and they're all awesome. I mean, like, Star Wars is pretty lit. Starship, Starship Troopers is pretty lit. Mm -hmm. Um was Go space, on. Spaceballs. <laughs> space Spaceballs hasn't aged well. Just want to throw that out there. Yeah, Mel Brooks knew what he was doing. Did he? Yeah. You watched Blazing Saddles recently? No. Don't. It's a bad. <laughs> it's gonna fuck with you. Like, it's a bad. It's not that it's bad. It's just that it's a different. Move. Is it too racist? Very racist. But you know, like, well, it's watch, commenting on racism. Sure, right? right? And I'll give him that. Like, there's a part where. Where he's like, "Well, it's a word," and we're we're trying to talk about absurdism, but he would never make a joke about lynching. Although I'm pretty sure Homie almost gets lynched in fucking Blazing Saddles if I'm being real. Mm -hmm. Like if I think Mel Brooks forgot his own movie, ninety five years old that he is, he's like, I never did that. Yeah. Like, they play him the clip, he's like, Nope, I never did that. Like I don't know, man. It's uh it's it, it's not good. Mel Brooks gets a free pass for me for life. Why? Just because I saw him speak once as a ninety year old man. Was and I, I I don't know if I've talked about it no. on this podcast. 
I saw him at the David Lynch very first uh, Festival of Disruption <laughs> in L.A. Why was Mel Brooks at the Festival of Disruption? I'll tell you why. Let's because Mel Brooks was actually like secretly like a champion of independent film in the 80s. Oh, that's he awesome. He funded The Fly with David Cronenberg, and he funded one. Elephant Man. Wait, secretly? Like, he was the one on who put that together. No, his name's on there. Oh, okay. Yeah. But he wasn't like shouting it from the fucking Mel Brooks rooftops. Right. You know? He was just like finding talent. He really loved Eraserhead. Because everyone knows when he wasn't making films, like what he really specialized his passion was rooftops. Man. Yeah. Like Mel Brooks roofs, they come with a 150 year guarantee. Okay. They're quality craftsmanship. Got okay? great acoustics. And you he know? did go out there. He could have yelled. He chose not to with the sturdiness and the great acoustics of a Mel Brooks roof. I mean, Mel Brooks could have done whatever he wanted. He chose not to. He chose not to. He chose to support But David what Lynch. he did choose to do at the Festival of Disruption, so it was supposed to be like a sit-down interview with like this biographer and friend of the family of mm-hmm. Mel Brooks. Um, and like the biographer sits down, there's two chairs on the stage, right. and like the biographer starts to ask the first question, and Mel Brooks, 92-year-old Mel Brooks, just fire. takes the microphone from him, stands up and goes, that reminds me, and then launches into a 90-minute monologue that yeah. was like the funniest fucking stand-up routine slash Hollywood, like telling stories about so it was good. old 70s Hollywood that I've ever seen. No, it was amazing. I see him on like some guest shows, and he is, he is, <laughs> I'm like, someone needs to like press the button to like bring him back to the, this Well, it, 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 <laughs> he was long gone, but it was, ama- it was like a, a wonderful thing to behold. Like, right. I, I'm, I'm genuinely grateful that I got to see that at some point in my life. Yeah, he's the man, dude. Also, Young Frankenstein's the shit. Yeah. That's probably is my favorite movie. Yeah, probably. man. Because what do you got? You got Blazing Saddles, Spaceballs. That one's good. It's Young Frankenstein. Young Frankenstein. That one's a thing. Frau Brugger. <laughs> I mean, I just, so because you, you saw him once and you had one personal experience with him, you're like, he could do whatever he wants, including making lynching jokes. Like, Well, I mean, wasn't that a commentary on racism? At the Everything's a commentary on racism if you say it's a commentary just on direct racism. racism? Yeah. <laughs> it's not racist. It's a commentary on racism. So the whole Charlottesville oh, thing? Yeah, sure. Like like the, the, well, those, those guys were just good all those guys. Ne- all those neo-Nazis, yeah. like, it was a commentary. Right. It, was a, it was political satire, theater, if you will. Yeah, that's exactly what happened. I'm not trying to absolve that. I don't know why they have, say, like, weird New York accents if they're from Charlottesville. Well, they're actors. Well, they're actors. Yeah, <laughs> come on, man. They're putting on a performance. I need to follow the premise of my own bullshit story here. I mean, my totally legitimate <laughs> yeah, story. Yeah, I, don't, I mean, uh, Starship Troopers. <sighs> Elizabeth Holmes is a fraud, is the point. Well, she's great. She's a Robin Hood, dude. Like, she's a great... She never gave back to the poor. But she didn't have to because she took from the rich. Like, you don't have to do both parts of the Robin Hood. Dude, kind of. No! <laughs> That's what I say. <laughs>